0: Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airway Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama, and we're just starting off where we left off on the last show because there's so much about Bama's blowout, we just don't want to leave out. And the first thing we want to talk about is how A.J. wiped out any doubt that he's not more than just a game manager. Our main man from Mobile managed to manufacture numbers over the last two years that'll get a lot of looks in the history books over the years, starting with the fact that he's 25-2 and as a starter on the first team to win back-to-back national championships in the BCS era. And since he was a freshman on the 9 team that knocked off Texas, he's got more rings than Saturn. During this last season, he threw for 30 TDs with only three INTs and helped the 2012 Tide set several new school records including, but not limited to, total points with 542. The offense produced 6,237 total yards, 71 touchdowns, had two 1,000-yard rushers for the first time in school history, and he led the nation in passing efficiency, just ahead of the Bulldog team we've beaten the SEC Championship game. He earned his undergraduate degree in December, so with another year of athletic eligibility left, he'll be back next year to try to win it all again. And as long as we're talking noteworthy numbers, he not only wears number 10, he had one sitting in the stands that night that got more airtime than the Notre Dame sideline. And what about that awesome offensive line? Cyrus Quanjo, Chance Wormack, Barrett Jones, Anthony Steen, and DJ Fluker had their way all day with a Notre Dame defense that was supposed to be our toughest test. The pass protection was so good in the championship game, AJ could have played in a three-piece suit. And when it was time to run the ball, those guys provided more good blocks than a pain management clinic. Barrett Jones, as we've mentioned before, might well have won more honors and awards than any player in the history of Alabama football, not to mention the fact that he won three national championships playing three different positions. The defense returned only four starters from last year's team, and everybody was thinking this would be a rebuilding year, but we still wound up leading the NCAA in four major defensive categories. Bama opponents averaged only 10 points per game. We gave up only 76 yards rushing per game, allowed just 13 first downs per game, and we led the nation again in total defense. The stop troops pitched four shutouts including the 49-0 Iron Bowl beatdown, so if this was a rebuilding year, I'm ready for another one. A Crimson Tide kickoff man, Cade Foster, had four touchbacks that kept the hunchbacks on the far end of the field, and Cody Mandel averaged 49 yards on four punts that kept the Pope's pupils pinned back all night. And we got to give it up for the guys on the scout team. They not only have to learn and run the upcoming opponent's offense every week, they do it against elite athletes every day. So they may be standing on the sidelines on Saturday, but they lay it on the line every other day. After the game with Notre Dame, C.J. Mosley was asked if it was especially exciting that night. And he said that once they got into it, it was a lot like any other game because they felt like they'd already played it two or three times in practice. That just goes to the level of leadership we have from a coaching staff that leads leaves no stone unturned when it comes to preparation and a scout team that brings their A game so the starters can be ready for the real game. When you give Saban time to get the team ready and when the team has time to get healthy, the tide's tough to handle. In the three national championship games over the last four years, Bama's averaged a 21-point winning margin outscoring Texas, LSU, and Notre Dame by a combined score of 100-35. to If you throw in the win over Michigan State in 2010, It's 149 to 42. And these wins were in high-profile places in front of a lot of famous faces. The Rose Bowl in Pasadena, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and the Orange Bowl in Miami are three of the great traditional sites for these primetime title fights. And it remains to be seen what will happen in 2013, but if the tide can ride this wave another season, there's reason to think we may see Pasadena again. But the place where it all really begins and ends is on the south bank of the Black Warrior River. Over the Druid City, a place we also call the Capstone, T-Town, Titletown, and now by official decree, the City of Champions, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the home of the University of Alabama. Our guest today, since being elected to office in 2005, has not only played a huge part in the amazing amount of growth and renewal and renovation in the city where the tide resides, but he's still providing the leadership that's so sorely needed as the city continues to rebuild after the April 27 tornado. We are so honored and excited to welcome the mayor of Tuscaloosa to the show, Walt Maddox. Uh, Walt, the first thing I want to say. I say to you, Uh, is how thankful I am that Tuscaloosa has been blessed with the extraordinary leadership you provided over these last several years. It's been the best of times and the worst of times and I can't imagine anybody doing a better job of getting us us through it. You know, you grew up in Tuscaloosa like I did. You have a personal background in athletics, uh, college degrees in political science and public administration. It seems almost providential that you were placed in this position. When did you decide you wanted to be mayor of Tuscaloosa and what were the things you felt you'd bring to the table we needed.
1: Well, my first passing thought at becoming mayor is when I was in third grade. Miss Robertson uh, took our class down to City Hall to the a council meeting. At the time, it was a commission meeting. And I remember sitting in the chambers and, and seeing Mayor DuPont and thinking, yeah, that's a, a pretty neat job. And then Mayor DuPont came over and spoke to us. And I still remember that to this day. So that was my first kind of thought about being mayor. I still remember the time thinking that was a pretty a cool experience. Uh, but the first real thought of me getting engaged in the city government is uh, I was in my mid-20s. Uh, I lived in a uh, place in East Tuscaloosa called Woodland Forest, and the city put on a sewer assessment on my piece of property. And it was a uh, pretty expensive sewer assessment, and, and in fact it was not needed because it was for an undeveloped lot uh, that couldn't be built upon. I already had sewers in front of my house. so. I petitioned City Hall, and uh, I felt like my concerns were not heard, phone calls were not returned, and I thought, you know what, uh, this is not acceptable. So I made that. At that point, I decided to run for city council, was fortunate enough to be elected. And then when, I, as I sat on the city council, um, I, I soon realized that if Mayor DuPont retired, I thought it would give me an opportunity to kind of use my skills in public administration to be the chief executive officer of the city. So that's kind of the... the, the thought process and the timeline that really got me interested in in the job that I am now.
0: So you've been in office now since, what, 2005, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We know that the university, uh, what we talk a lot about here on Bama Talk, is the chief economic and cultural engine of the city, so to speak. And it always has been. But, you know, I don't remember the relationship between the city and the university ever being as healthy as it is now and as productive. What is it that makes it seem like things are clicking so well with that relationship these last several years? Two
1: words, Bob Witt. When I was elected to the mayor, uh, Bob called me, and uh, we had a long conversation, and we set up a meeting, and we both placed to each other uh, to really build a true town-and-gown relationship. And from that, developed a friendship and a partnership. From our pre-K program, which is one of the best in the nation, uh, to economic development, the university has and continues to be an active partner. But if you think about it, it really makes sense. And the university is a $1.4 billion economic impact on our community. They're our largest employer. And we all know that the growth of the university in Tuscaloosa is good for our community. Every 1,000 new students that Dr. Witt recruits to campus generates about $5 million new dollars in our economy. Wow. So it's a it's a powerful relationship. And uh, Dr. Witt is the reason why he has an amazing uh, ability to see what needs to be done and then create uh, avenues to make that happen. And, and I've, I can't tell you how thrilled I am with um, his selection of being chancellor and how proud I am of what he's been able to accomplish. i him sure a friend and, and in many ways i him a mentor. He's taught me a lot. And I've enjoyed immensely working with him. And, and that relationship has spilled over to Judy Bonner, who I'm excited for her coming into the presidency. And, and we look to continue that positive relationship.
0: Well, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I don't get as um, close up a view of it as you do naturally. But uh, I really feel, being uh, having grown up in Tuscaloosa, and my dad was a faculty member uh, between 1958 and 1993, that Dr. Witt is, is easily... Uh, the best president we've had since Frank Rose back in the '40s and '50s, and I, and in a and in a selfish sense, I was kind of uh, kind of sad when he uh, was named chancellor because I think he's done such an incredible job um, uh, at the main campus in Tuscaloosa. I uh, just I hated to see him go. Well,
1: there's no doubt about it. He he, he has what I think an effective leader has to have. Uh, number one, he has this and that's essential, obviously, in any good leader. But there's the second component, and that's the ability to execute that vision. And Bob Witt has the ability to create a vision and then go out and accomplish it. And that's a rare—that's a rarity that you don't see that a great deal. And and I think Bob has been able to do that. It, it's extremely difficult to go out and grow your university, especially in today's uh, higher education world, where university enrollment is actually shrinking
0: and, and, and so costs you've been able are going to do, up. Yeah.
1: That's right, yeah, absolutely. But what he's able to do is really extraordinary considering the circumstance. Of course, there's another guy over there at the Catastone that has that same sort of ability. Uh, uh, here he coaches a little football, and that's Nick
0: <laughs> You know, the team started playing all its home games at Bryant-Denny in 1998, which was about the same time the Mercedes plant began assembly. You know, it's clear that the additional revenue that this is producing has had a profound effect on the community and on the campus. Uh, and then we're averaging about 80,000 uh, a year for the A-Day game every April. Is it safe to say that Alabama football is a prime example of what a true economic stimulus is?
1: <laughs> no doubt about it. The average home game can generate 17 million new dollars wow. in your economy.
0: That's more and, than I so thought. That
1: just gives you a, oh, it, It's it's incredible. And who knows what the multiplier effect is on the indirect tax revenue, or just revenue in general that's generated. And we, we call it Sabanomics at City Hall, the <laughs> fact that, you know, a day can generate 85, 90,000 people. A few weeks ago, I got a, uh, a call from an individual who said, Touch needs a bowl game. I said, why do we need a bowl game? We have one eight times a year. <laughs> and it's, it's an extraordinary event. It's something I, and it's something I'm very proud of that goes unseen. And that's a good thing because if it gets seen, then then we're not doing our job we have about 400 city employees that are working on game day. Everything from uh, making sure that uh, water and sewer is getting into the, to the stadium, to obviously traffic control, to the paramedics, uh, to engineers, street management, to the environmental services, you name it, the cities out there doing it. So about one-third of our employees are out there working that day, and they're quietly moving 100,000-plus people in and out of our city.
0: Right. And uh,
1: I'm very proud of that. Very, very proud of what our city staff does on a game day basis. You know, we go from Alabama's fifth largest city to Alabama's largest city in about a couple of hours. Yep, and uh, I think we do it well. I'm very proud of our staff. They do uh, an amazing job.
0: Hey, we, you know we have a unique situation. We have a stadium that holds over 101,000 people in a city with a population of what 93,000 or so. All the major, <laughs> all the major networks are in town at some point each season, and the guys, and the guys on ESPN don't have to say Alabama after they mention Tuscaloosa. It's achieved first name only status. How does that affect the issues you're most concerned with as mayor? Oh, you
1: know, I was telling somebody last week the fact that we were in the DCS championship game meant that Tuscaloosa got mentioned thousands of times, tens of thousands of times across this nation, whether it was newspaper, Internet, television, radio. And that is good for economic development. I'm I'm headed to the United States Conference of Mayors Winter Conference, and and we're also at the same time working on uh, the Sandy relief bill to get some additional dollars for our recovery. And when I say Tuscaloosa, I don't have to explain where it is. Everyone knows where it is. You know, Alabama, Tuscaloosa is a mid-sized city, but nearly everybody in the nation knows where it is. There's not many cities. There are 93,000 that the whole nation goes, oh, yeah, that's down there in Alabama. Alabama football does that. Now, we're more than just Alabama football. Sure. But Alabama football is the gateway to that, and I don't. I embrace it. I, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and the fact that, you know, we continue to be in these uh, – these games that are meaningful and they get national attention and win do nothing but grow our city and win. Oh yeah, my goodness, win! And, and I, you know what, I get a thrill every time they say Tuscaloosa. It's like the first time they've ever said it. I just get a thrill about it, and and it makes me so excited about our community being showcased in such a positive way.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And one of the great things that I enjoyed about all the build up before the game and the post game commentary. On ESPN and the other major networks is when they're talking about it and they refer to the town, they just say Tuscaloosa. And these are guys in Bristol, Connecticut, and Los Angeles, and New York and Miami. They're just saying Tuscaloosa. They don't have to say Alabama because it's a brand name. The whole country knows what they're they're talking about. Um, you know, uh, switching gears just a little bit, of course, we can't talk to you without bringing this up. The April 27 tornado, the worst weather event in the town's history uh, that I know of uh, that tore through Tuscaloosa with winds. That I remember the U.S. National Weather Service estimated topped out at about 190 miles an hour. Uh, officials at DCH Regional Med Center reported treating over 100 Uh, excuse me, over a 1,000 injured people that day. And I'm wondering if there are still, if there are, uh, at this point, any accurate figures about the number of lives that were lost. What do you remember most about that life-changing event, and where are we with it with regard to recovery at this point?
1: Well, we lost 53 lives that day, and your numbers were dead on. 1,200 were injured and were treated. About 15% of those that were injured were actually admitted uh, into a hospital, whether in Tuscaloosa or in Birmingham, they did a great job of, of taking care of our overflow. Um, it's a day that I'll never forget. The, the, the scope of destruction. It's, I, I remember the first time that I saw it; it just took your breath away because you, you couldn't. You know to this day, it's hard to describe the yeah. people yeah. who didn't see it firsthand. Um, the uh, you know on April fifteenth, uh, twelve days earlier, between seven, we had an EF three tornado that. Very similar to what Mobile went through on Christmas Day, nearly the exact amount of damage went Winfield, and and I, I knew you know I understood what a tornado was by that experience. So when we went out into the field just some minutes after the tornado uh, had damaged our city, uh, to see the scope and depth of it, just absolutely took my breath away. But fortunately, like um, like we had trained on, like the protocols we understood, we began to implement our emergency action plan, and we were able to. Uh, effectively, as possible, help our citizens. Where we are with recovery um, is very, uh, at this point, I, I couldn't be any more pleased. Uh, the city uh, took a, and, and I want to say this, that the city council deserves a lot of credit because they wanted to take a long-term view to our recovery. And the genesis of that perspective came out of dozens of town hall meetings where thousands upon thousands of citizens participated. Majority of those that participated either lost a loved one, they lost the property, uh, they lost something special to them. And the majority, vast majority said, we want to build back better. And so our city council decided to be more deliberate. Uh, we wanted to align our infrastructure for future growth, which will save the taxpayers millions. Uh, we wanted to comprehensively plan so that communities that were not doing, were not living up to their potential on April 27th had a chance going in the future. And so, you know, early on we heard some criticisms about, well, Tuscaloosa going a little too slow. Um, but I always reminded people that in Coach Saban's first year, he was seven and six. It's not what you do in the first quarter that matters; it's how you are ready for that fourth quarter. And now, I think when people come to Tuscaloosa, they are just really pleased by what they're seeing.
0: So uh, you're, you're putting uh, a fourth you, you're putting a fourth quarter program in place for the city too. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: right. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, if you. If you've been down May Farland and 15th Street, oh, maybe, yeah. uh, there's uh, it, it is amazing. And you haven't seen nothing yet. Uh, this week alone, uh, we've approved a few more uh, land development permits for new developments that are coming that are just out of this world. In fact, one, one of the um, early signs that, that we knew that our strategy was right is back in August, the building permit on a new uh, commercial development was more than the amount of sales taxes that we lost as a result of the tornado. Wow. And and so I'm really proud of our community. I'm really proud of our uh, city council who took a long view. I'm reminded of a, a, a mayor who had gone through a similar tragedy called me uh, a few days after the tornado, and he said, "Well, make sure that you build it back right. He was explaining to me some of the things they did right and some of the things that did wrong. And then he said something that struck me. He said, Walt, you'd rather them be mad at you for two years than to be mad at you for a lifetime. <laughs> and and so I, I thought long and hard about that, and I'm very proud of how we're growing. And I can't, you know, you never want to wish time away. But a year from now, it's really going to be
0: impressive. Well, you know, I grew up there, went to school at Tuscaloosa High School, uh, just like you did. Of course, you went there when it was called Central High School, uh, graduated from the university. I'm living in the Birmingham area, uh, but I'm back and forth frequently, come to all the home football games. I like to go to the softball games and basketball, so I'm back and forth to Tuscaloosa a lot. And, and over the last period since the tornado, uh, it, it never since ceases to amaze me, and I've expressed this to a lot of friends too, uh, the amount of growth and the renovation and the rebuilding and the way things are coming back better than they were before, and uh, I, I just can't imagine that there's a town of that size anywhere in the country, um, even with the tornado weighed into the to the uh, equation, that's experiencing a healthier period of of growth and expansion. You know, and as bad as the tornado was, uh, we're so fortunate it, that it wasn't worse. It missed campus by what maybe a half mile. Uh, and it missed DCH Medical Center, the hospital, by probably 200 yards. Uh, it could have been so much worse. Um, and uh, what I'm wondering, too, is just on a personal level, uh, what got you through it?
1: Well, and, and let me first say the point you just made is exactly right. If the tornado would have been a quarter mile north, it likely hits residential dorms. It, it'll plow through the hospital. Um and we would have probably been looking at hundreds of deaths instead of fifty-three,
0: and not so to mention the fact that a whole lot less people that would have been able to help with the injuries.
1: Exactly, and you know something else that as part of that you're talking about Bryant Denny Stadium as well. And if it was saying significant damages, there would have been a chance the games would have had to been moved to Birmingham, which would have meant millions of dollars of lost revenue. For Hmm. and tens of millions of dollars of lost business for our community. So, um, you know, it's never you never want to say any I hate to say there was a silver lining about his past because if you lost something there is no silver lining. But a quarter mile north and, and uh it, we're, it it's even more devastating. You know what got me through is um you know, number one was obviously our faith. There you go. Uh, we we just we just felt that you know that, that that God wasn't going to forsake us; that He would just give us strength and energy to, and, and hopefully the wisdom to make the right decision. The number the number two thing is that I've got an unbelievable staff. I get way too much credit for uh, the work of twelve hundred plus city employees who just refuse to give in. I want to share a quick. I don't want to go too long. I'll, I'll talk forever, but I'll give you an example. I had a T. But employee. Uh, equipment operator named Robert Brown worked uh, worked in probably one of the lower paying jobs in the city of Tuscaloosa. He lived on Juanita Drive, which was just absolutely it was obliterated. Um, his children were at home, so he he was on duty. He unbeknownst um, to his super, his direct supervisor, he told, "I'm gonna go home, check on my kids, and come back." He does exactly what he says. He goes home, checks on his kids, make sure they have somewhere to go that night. He comes back, and for about five days. Work 16-hour days. Um, On day, I can't remember if it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, I get an email, and it's rare. I mean, I was getting hundreds of emails a day, but for some reason that, you know, as I was scrolling through trying to go to the most urgent, the the email line kind of called me, and when I read it, it was the neighbor that said, Robert has been working all those days and hours, and that his children needed clothes and shoes to go back to school off. And would I please give him some time off? So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, surely somebody would have given him a few hours to go t- take care of this task. So I called the department head. She says, let me find out. She calls back in 10 minutes that you won't believe it. His foreman didn't even know. Only his supervisor, Undra, who he swore to secrecy. And, I mean, here's a guy, lowest paid, children impacted, loses everything himself, and he's working on behalf of the citizens. And we have to almost go tell him, go, go home and go get things for your family. Wow. You, when you're surrounded with people like Robert and an unbelievable leadership team, there's nothing you can't do. And, and, and that's just one of the countless stories that, that, that we came across of our own employees who lost but continue to serve.
0: Yeah, there's so many winners that don't wear a jersey. That's, that's, that's great stuff. You know, we're so blessed with the generosity of an awful lot of people actually from all over the country. I remember the New York Yankees donated, I think, $500,000 and the Atlanta Braves contributed, uh, I think a hundred thousand. And it seems like the successes of Alabama's athletic teams, have kind of helped lift the spirits of the people and provided a distraction from the destruction. Because since that awful event occurred, uh, Alabama's won two more national championships in football. Uh, Women's gymnastics have won back-to-back titles since then. Uh, Women's softball and women's golf have both won national championships. Is there any question that these triumphs are like treatments in the aftermath of something so horrible?
1: Oh, there's there's no doubt. Uh, I, I've done countless interviews where uh, we talk about what does it mean, and, and I always say it, it doesn't it doesn't bring a loved one back, it doesn't rebuild your home or business. Uh, but what it does do is allow you for a few hours to forget what you've experienced and take another point of pride and accomplishment of of our university. And I and I do think there's something else too that's even deeper here. I know. Growing up in Tuscaloosa, that most of the time—and for good reason—athletes are generally sequestered from the general community, and, and that's that's you know mainly for their benefit and protection and welfare. But I gotta hand it to the uh, Coach Saban, uh, who who himself and his team were out there working in the community. I remember seeing Anthony Grant on top of a roof and holes. No publicity, no media. This was two days after the tornado, just up there volunteering. And, you know, it just struck me that they're, they're coming from beyond the campus, the gates of the campus, going out into the greater community. That created a deep connection, uh, that I think still holds today. I'll never forget it. And uh, I will always be appreciative. I'll, I'll share a quick story with you. Um, a couple of days after tornado, um, Nick called and offered his support and, and, you know, just said, well, if there's anything that, you know, I can do, please don't hesitate call upon me. And a few days later, the head of the Louisiana search and rescue team came to my office. They, they just did extraordinary work for a period of about four or five days under the worst of conditions doing search and rescue, helping assisting our fire department with search and rescue. And he told me they were leaving the next day. They completed their task and they were going to have a crawfish bowl outside Full Thomas Field because uh, Alabama and LSU were going to play baseball. And it was actually going to be the first sporting event since the tornado. And then he looks at me and he says, do you mind that uh, I've seen if Nick Staben can off? And I remember thinking, wow, you know, well, you put a task on me. And so I called Coach Staben and and he graciously, did, you know, agreed to come. And him and Terry uh, came to the function. Uh, no media, stayed about three hours, signed autographs, took pictures with all these LSU fans, and uh, it made their day. They came back the next day and were just so pleased that we were able to pull that off for of them and Yeah, those are little things, but let me tell you, it it meant a lot for our community. And I wanted people, and most people don't know that story, but I I think it's worth sharing because I think it speaks to how Uh connected they became with our community.
0: Oh, that's great stuff to hear about. Uh, A quick question for you. What's game day like in Tuscaloosa for you? What's the best part of game day about being the mayor of Tuscaloosa?
1: When it's over, uh, because I, I worry. You, know, you worry about uh, you worry about traffic situations. You worry about homeland security issues, um, and I got a great team that, that's taking care of the majority of that. But for me, uh, it's sort of a sense of relief when it's over. But I, I, you know, I do take great pride that our city's hosting that event, and that we're playing a role, in, in you know, in the tradition and pageantry of Alabama football. And so, for me, it's a great source of pride. I will say there are no, there are no, no perks. People kind of think, you know, you somehow you have a skybox or something like that. I'm just like everyone else. Uh, so I, I try to, um, you know, I go to the game like a normal fan, but, um, I've always got an eye on my, uh, my Blackberry and stay in, in staying constant contact with. With our department head, to make sure we're doing what we need to do to have a safe experience for the fans coming in, in
0: Tuscaloosa. Gotcha. Hey, the national championship celebration parade schedule for it this coming Saturday, the nineteenth in Tuscaloosa. Um, how are plans going for that? And what kind of heads up would you maybe want to give people that are planning to attend?
1: Well, I would I would say be early um, because I expect a large crowd. You know, for several years, people have wanted parade. The, the athletic department uh, always. A, a celebration within the stadium, and and, and for I understand why it's, it's very difficult to to provide security and and for that many student athletes. But I think the fans uh, over the years have sort of voiced their, their their desire to have the parade, and I think they won out. And so I, I think everyone's really excited. I would encourage you to come early. Um, I imagine it's going to be four or five people on many parts of the streets. Very short parade route. So there's going to be a lot of density uh, along the streets, and uh, then be prepared as as the parade moves by. You just kind of walk on up into the closing celebrations. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've heard more excitement about this celebration than any of the past ones in the last few years.
0: Well, you know. Uh... We just had such a ball having you on with us, and, and we appreciate you taking uh, time to talk with us, and uh, the game clock's running down on us, but before we take a knee and uh, snap the ball in the victory uh, formation, I want to mention just a few of the many accolades the city's been blessed with since you took office before we sign off. You know, Tuscaloosa was named one of the 50 best places to launch a small business in 2009 by Fortune Small Business, uh, it was named uh, one of the top 100 best Communities for Young People by America's Promise Alliance, and it was named the most livable city in America by the U.S. Conference of Mayors in 2011. So so once again, uh, thank you for the leadership you're providing and the job you're doing and for taking time to visit with us today. Uh, we certainly hope you'll come back and join us again sometime.
1: Oh, I would love to. And, and again, uh, all those uh, awards are just a reflection of an amazing staff and just a a generous and compassionate community. I'm I'm the I'm the luckiest mayor in, uh, in the United States.
0: Well, now I'm a Tuscaloosa native, but I live in Birmingham. Is there any way I can vote in mayoral elections? Uh, <laughs>
1: hey, if I were a good politician, I sure as heck would figure out a way <laughs> so let me get to work on
0: it. Hey, you have a safe trip. We'll talk to you again sometime and roll tide.
1: Hey, roll tide. Take care.
0: Speaking of planning and preparation, if you want to win the retirement game, you've got to have a winning game plan. And let's face it, most of us don't have a good retirement planning playbook in place yet. If you want to build a better financial future for yourself and your family, go to annuitiesalabama.com. You'll see they can help you with strategies that are safe and smart that will get you across that retirement goal line. But the game clock's running, folks, and successful people don't procrastinate. So give this the priority you and your family deserve and do it today. That's annuitiesalabama.com. We want to remind you that Bama Talk is just one of the podcast programs on the menu at bigbrainsmedia.com, and we hope you'll check them all out. They're family-friendly, and the downloads and subscriptions are free, so you can access any of the shows anytime you like, as much as you like. There's also a free podcast app available for your smartphone or mobile device that makes saving and storing every episode easy, automatic, and portable. You can listen while you're on the way to the parade Saturday. Uh, Hey, we do want to take a minute and congratulate the main brain behind Big Brains Media, our friend and colleague James Spann. Just recently at a meeting of the American Meteorological Society in Austin, Texas, James was presented with the award for broadcast meteorology, the second national award he's received in the last three months. If weather's your thing, James is the king. So if you're not already following him, go to bigbrainsmedia.com and check out Weather Brains. We're having a ton of fun with the Bama Talk Facebook page too, so check it out and chime in because we want your feedback and we really enjoy reading your comments thanks to the podcast format and the fact that we're broadcasting on a worldwide basis we want to be able to brag about having Bama fans on our Bama Talk Facebook page from all 50 states and all five continents so hit that like button and let us know you're there we're always looking for photos and fun stuff for the site so if you'd like to share something send it to my email address which is steve at bamatalkshow.com Well, it's time to head for the locker room, so we'll just say you made our day. And we hope you enjoyed it half as much as we did. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide.